0: Welcome to the Dietitian Connection podcast, a show about nutrition, dietitians, and their success stories. This podcast, hosted by Kate Agnew and Marie Ferguson, will empower you to realize your professional dreams by giving you access to our global community of dietitians. Through our conversations with nutrition leaders, we'll educate you, inspire you, and help you create more impact as a dietitian. Welcome to this episode of the Dietitian Connection podcast. If you haven't met me before, my name's Kate Agnew. I'm the marketing and communications director at Dietitian Connection, and I want to say a very special thank you to Uncle Toby's Oats for supporting this episode. Our guest today is Kathleen Aloum. Kathleen is a nutritionist, exercise physiologist, keynote speaker, author and founder of The Right Balance, which she founded over 20 years ago to provide up-to-date, clear, expert information about diet, exercise and wellness. And Kathleen works with Uncle Toby's as its nutrition ambassador. She's a sought-after media commentator, a nutrition spokesperson. She's absolutely brilliant at cutting through the nutrition Hype and translating it to into clear um, simplified and practical advice and taking the, the complex science um, to put it into to simple messages so welcome to the show Kathleen thank you so much for being with us
1: thank you kate it 's been an honor to be on your show
0: oh it 's really special to be hanging out with you virtually today and, and talking about a nutrient that I think dietitians really appreciate but it's often forgotten and severely underestimated when it comes to good health and I'm of course talking about fiber mm-hmm. and um, today we're going to get stuck into the health hero that is fiber um, but first just to provide a bit of background I've always find it really interesting to talk to health professionals about how they stay healthy because we're people too right mm-hmm. um, so to start off can you tell us a bit about how you keep well and, and has anything changed for you over the past three days for months?
1: Oh that's a good one. Um, For me I guess being healthy is about finding that balance Um, although what that balance looks like is constantly changing for me anyway and and it is different for everybody. So for me over the years um, before having children I guess health being healthy was probably more about my physical health. So, you know, looking at like adjusting my eating habits and exercising around building a career, et cetera. You know, those days it was, you know, I was looking after myself really. So, um, but since having children and and juggling that and family, I probably put more emphasis, I guess being healthy is also about your psychological well-being as well. So if you, if you ask me about how I stay healthy, i, I I really look at both of those aspects, your physical and your and your mental well-being. It's just so important. I think, you know, we do put so much emphasis on what we're eating, but it's also your state of state of your mind too. And I think as I've gotten older, I've actually really appreciated those aspects. So finding balance and um you constantly, I guess, reprioritizing and reshuffling things, especially like in the last three to four months during COVID when we um I guess we were spending a lot of time at home and I did find myself always reshuffling things. You know, at the first part of COVID, it was quite stressful and having, um, you know, kids homeschooling and things like that, it was just we had to find a new norm and we had to reshuffle things and And for that just, I guess, being a mum as a result just... Um, you know, I, I had to really kind of like nurture that that mental side of um of of my well being and, um yeah and then my family now we're like we're all in a groove we work well together and I think it was all about routine for us that was so important, um so yeah for me it's it's looking at both like being healthy is looking at both physical and mental well being.
0: And I know um, part of what you focus on and really try and educate patients and clients about is about finding balance. That's, yeah. that's really where you see health at being at. Um, I do.
1: It is, it is like, it is like, you know, it, it can be a boring message sometimes. Like, I mean, obviously, you know, dietitians will know we always, you know, we're always saying to our patients and, and clients is that, you know, it's all about moderation and finding that balance, but um, it's such a unappealing message, but it's just so simple. It's so, and it's so, and, it's, it's what, where we're going to reap most of the health benefits if we're finding that balance and, and constantly shuffling that, you know, depending on what stage of life you're at and, um, yeah, like just, you know, and, and finding the
0: moderation and what works for you. I'm excited to get stuck into more of that as we delve into um into nutrition and fiber specifically. Um, in the meantime, Kathleen, I understand you've published hundreds of blog posts across many newspapers and magazines, and so you must be well across the world of well-being trends. Yeah. What are you seeing as the trends in nutrition and exercise right now? Uh, like I, I guess as many dietitians would agree, the science of
1: nutrition is always changing and evolving. But if I had to bring one trend to the forefront, it would it would have to be gut health because more and more research is showing just how important good gut health is for our overall well-being. And often I guess when I talk about the gut, many of um, you know my clients or friends or family for that matter aren't really aware that the gut does more than just break down the food that we eat. So it has such more of a complex job. And, you know, the research is discovering that it's linked to numerous aspects of our health from our immune system, even mental illness, which is a really big area of research at the moment to chronic diseases, including certain cancers, type two diabetes, and even our waistline. So it's just it's it's just has such an impact on our overall being. And and i guess when we're kind of looking at the gut we can thank this these two the little kind of bugs that live in there and you know they outnumber our human cells 10 to 1 so they play a pretty pivotal role in our well-being and so if you were to really ask me what what a healthy gut looks like um it's it's quite a loaded question because the basis of um the, you know, the, we talk about the microbes in our gut and what they're responsible for beyond breaking down our food is, um, you know, part of their job is to remove the bacteria and, and the toxins and keeping our digestive system healthy. But, but the interesting thing about the gut, I think, is that everyone has a unique microbiota which essentially means that everyone's mix of bacteria is um, I guess slightly different so it's a bit like a fingerprint you know so um, and 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 what's fascinating about the microbiota is it's mainly impacted by our diet and lifestyle so it's just such a fascinating of research I think of nutrition science really and and certainly one most dietitians you know really should be across I think anyway
0: (laughs) Yeah, um, I think gut health is a massive topic with um with consumers, but also us dietitians, we we really want to learn more about it and probably health health professionals across the board. We really want yeah. to learn all of the emerging science that's happening and we know that it's really kind of the tip of the iceberg that we're seeing at yeah. the moment. There's so much more to learn. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: it is, it is, it's certainly an evolving science and like and, and research is still kind of um I, I guess you would say still in quite in its infancy, so it, it is certainly an area of like in terms of you know nutrition and 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 like what you say to your clients. It's an area that you know most of us should be across and just watching that space.
0: Yeah, it's exciting, um, mm. and so we know that obviously that there's a there is a large role of for um, diet in good gut health, uh, which is exciting. And and I'm really keen to dive into that more. Um, Kathleen, you're really talented at taking um, the science and putting it into simple practical advice. So can you share some of your more simple and impactful ways um, that you communicate to your, your audience and your patients when it comes to supporting gut health? Yeah.
1: Well, there are a number of dietary and lifestyle related factors which can impact the health of your gut. So so obviously, from speaking specifically from a dietary perspective, um, highly refined diets or highly processed diets um, has a negative impact on the gut. But also things like stress and alcohol and certain medications as well. I mean, probably, um, you know, medications... I mean dietitians can can talk to that area a little bit more, but um, so there 's there's, there's numerous factors that can then impact the gut on a negative basis, but more particularly when you 're focusing on just strictly diet um, it 's fiber the focus on fiber, and I think that 's why we often it is a forgotten ingredient because we, we tend to kind of talk a lot about protein and carbohydrates and added sugars and things like that. But um, fiber, it's just, um, it's something that, you know, it's, we we need to bring to the forefront a little bit more. And um, we know fiber is mainly in plant-based foods. So it's the indigestible part of the plant foods. But when we talk about Fiber to clients again it's educating them around exactly what that fiber does it's not just the mop or the roughage as we as we mainly know of that picks up the waste and helps you stay regular I guess but um, although that's very important for your digestive system fiber also contributes to other processes such as stabilizing your sugar levels and cholesterol and I mean it's linked to lower risks of bowel cancer and type 2 diabetes but where the real fascinating aspect of fiber comes in from my perspective is um it's the actual meal choice because we're talking about gut health it's the meal choice for the gut bugs because they love to feast on this stuff so it's um the probiotics or the gut bacteria in your gut, like their meal preference is fibre. And that's what they like to chew on to survive and do their job. So it brings what you're eating to another level, I, I think, because it's not just about like what you're eating, it's about what you're also feeding your gut bugs as well. So it kind of, yeah, it's a kind of a bit of a, it brings another dimension really. So when I talk about that with patients, they're like, oh, okay. So, yeah, so fibre, it's, it's not a boring thing that we kind of um, go, yeah, eat more fibre, but it's just doing so much more than what it's, um, what it's credited for.
0: Yeah, um, I heard a really good, good quote recently, um, you know, uh, there's the kind of the long saying quote of you are what you eat but it's mm. more now you are what you feed your gut bugs which is exactly really cool. yeah exactly
1: and like it's it's you are what you absorb too so if um if your gut bugs aren't working properly like i mean obviously they're going to break down the foods and and things like that particularly fiber but if you're not absorbing the nutrients well then yeah so that's kind of like what we say also you are what you eat but you are what you assimilate as well so yes yeah, so it's just it is a fascinating area so um and often um you know just when i when i'm writing stories or publishing stories and you see in the media a lot we talk about I mean, over the last, say, five or ten years, we've talked a lot about probiotics, and that 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 that's gained a lot of attention. Which is essentially adding more of the good back, um, good bugs back, back sorry, good bugs or bacteria back into your gut. But um, you know, foods like kombucha and kimchi like we hear a lot about that and obviously natural yogurt but um and also supplements as well oh, right. they, they gain a lot of attention but um the area i guess the research in that area is still uncertain as to about as to what probiotic supplements are good because there's different strains of bacteria like we have a, a whole colony of bacteria in our gut and taking the right strain is very important so it's important to kind of get the right advice around that but I think what we need to bring more to the attention is what we're feeding the probiotics and this is where the prebiotics come in and and, um, and these are the types of fibers that are fermented by the bacteria and this is how, where we get the prebiotics from so they're just as important and And they're present in the fibre-rich foods such as fruits and vegetables and, you know, whole grains like rolled oats, for instance.
0: Yes, so fibre definitely needs a bit more of the spotlight, I think, think when it comes to this topic. (laughs) I think so, yeah. Um, And I'm keen keen to zoom in uh, more on fibre intake. How much is the average Australian actually eating when it comes to fibre?
1: Well, unfortunately, in this area, we're not doing too well. I mean, we're doing okay, but we could do better. So um, the last report, the Australian Health Survey, showed that one in two Australians are probably, and, and not not probably, are not meeting the advised daily fibre intake, and that's around 25 to 30 grams per day. And, look, there's there could be lots of reasons for this, but in my opinion, um, it could be due to, like, you know, we had perhaps had an anti-grain movement for a while there or some popularized eating trends like low-carb eating or paleo or ketogenic eating. Like a lot of these things, a lot of these um, way of eating or diets tend to avoid certain grains and obviously once you start to avoid certain grains you start to get rid of all that valuable fiber. Um, there's a lot of things like uh, self-diagnosing perhaps I'm not too sure sh- you know a lot of patients you may find might prefer to self-diagnose their gluten intolerance when we not get a medical diagnosis so therefore they'll go and avoid certain grains as a result and unnecessarily. So yeah so I think that there's a lot of what a lot of reasons why and obviously with fibre too comes fruit and vegetables, which we could do better at that. Of course, I think it's, you know, I think the survey showed that less than 7% of the Australian population are are meeting the daily recommended intake for vegetables. So there's a little bit of room for improvement where we can up our fibre and that's, you know, eating more vegetables and whole grains. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. I think dietitians and nutritionists are doing um, a great job at the education around um, some of these diets that do cut out grains, helping... Um, helping the public understand um you know that it's it's there's it's a much bigger picture it's not just about um it's not just about uh cutting out carbs there is far yeah, more course. to it than yeah. than carbs i think we're doing uh, a good there's obviously a lot of work to be done and i think we need to kind of make fiber a bit more sexy oh, <laughs> yeah
1: i've been that trying concern. that for years
0: i mean <laughs> one, one another trend that i must say
1: i mean besides gut health and, and one that's associated with gut health is um one trend of the plant-based diets and I think that's a more positive message that we should be really encouraging as well because I mean with nutrition um, and communicating nutrition I've actually been more conscious of talking about positive aspects of nutrition, not so much about what you're not eating and, you know, what you should emit from your diet. It's what you can have and what you can be eating. And um, I think the whole message of plant-based diets is really positive. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be a vegetarian or a vegan or to pigeonhole yourself into one particular way of eating. It's it's looking at um, how can we get more plant-rich foods in our diet? And we all know that that's where the fiber is coming from, is the plants. So yeah, it's something that I try to encourage anyway, just from a more you know, it just sounds more appealing.
0: Definitely. And um it's far more compelling to talk about positive aspects and all oh, the benefits absolutely. that there is to eating more, um eating more plants than, yeah. than talking about negatives for sure. Yeah. And, and, and looking at, like, real practical ways of, of
1: how we do this and making that the star of your plate rather than, you know, um, and, and meat being more a side dish. And, and I'm not against red meat at all or um, animal-based products at all. Like, I'm all about the flexitarian. <laughs> I mean, that's another kind of coined term. But um, I'm all about, you know, again, balance and finding that moderation and just how looking at ways that how we can make plants more the star of our diet.
0: Yeah, yes, definitely, mm. and and as you alluded to earlier, thinking of fibre as um, not just roughage, I think we no, can all agree right. with that. Yeah. Um, but Kathleen, remind us: what are the different types of fibre, and and how can dietitians explain the role of each of um, the types of fibre to their patients and clients?
1: Yeah. So generally, we categorise fibre into. Um, two different schools. So we've got soluble um, and insoluble. So soluble, as we know, has a major role in um, lowering the LDL cholesterol Um, and that's found in uh, vegetables and oats, barley, dried beans or lentils. And then we've got the insoluble fibre, which is more the structural part of the plant. I guess, and um, that's the one that adds the bulk to the stools and helps with constipation and regularity and we can get that in the skins of the fruits and nuts and seeds, so just more the structural um, of the plant cell walls and, of course, whole grains. So it's, it's really hard to say what food has what types of fibre because at the end of the day the message is, is to eat an array of plant-based foods because, because fibre, there's much more to fibre than just soluble, they eat soluble. A lot of the research now is looking into um, resistant starch and the prebiotic fibres, and and these are the ones that are fermenting in our gut. So, so when we're talking about gut health, it's it's beyond soluble and insoluble, and, and, and what they do, it's more about the fibres, I guess, that are fermenting, and this is where the gut bugs come in, and this is what I mentioned before, is what they're feeding off. So... Um, but again, to get all those types of fibres, your resistant starch and your solubles and your insoluble, is to looking at a whole array um, of plant-based food and, and getting the diversity because what the gut, what, what your gut really loves, if, if you were to ask me what a healthy gut looks like, it's, it's, um, it's having a diversity of bacteria in there. And um, But in, in particular, though, the, the prebiotics deserves probably more of a forefront here because it's, it's what, once they've, once they're fermented, it's what they produce. And we call them the short chain fatty acids like um, acetate and uh, propanate and butyrate. So for instance, it's it's those metabolites that are being linked to all those numerous health aspects in gut, gut health. So, you know, you're looking at um, having an influence on the immune system and they kind of act like chemical messages in a way, and they actually communicate with the brain. And um, most artists probably heard of the gut-brain axis and we know that our gut has a, um, you know, a second brain. So, I mean, once these short-chain fatty acids are produced, you know, by the fermentation, is that they're sending out all types of chemical messages to the brain so they can have such an impact there. And, you know, you've heard the term gut feeling. So it's it's such a broad, broad, broad area that it's just, it's just evolving and evolving and, and new research is coming out all the time.
0: I feel like the area of gut health has given new meaning to telling someone you've got a gut feeling about something,
1: hasn't it? Well, we say that all the time, but without really knowing what it means. I mean, um, it's a fact that 90% of um, the neurotransmitters, like such as serotonin, like I mentioned before, like um, um, the link with mental health is fascinating. And I I know my colleague, uh, Dr. Felice Jacker, she's she's really... um, into that, into that space of what they call nutrition psychiatry, psychiatry in a way. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's kind of looking at um, the microbiome and the link to mental illnesses. And um, because 90% of these neurotransmitters are um, manufactured in the gut, such as serotonin, like this is having a huge impact on our mental illness such as depression or anxiety, even schizophrenia. Like So, yeah, there's a lot of research around that as
0: well. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited to see um, where the whole area of nutrition psychiatry goes over mm. the next decade, yeah. Nutrition psychiatry.
1: Yeah. And foods like, um, like, so when we're talking about, you know, fibre in general and we're talking about prebiotic fibre, I mean there there are particular standout foods, I guess, when you're talking about prebiotic fibre in particular, like things like onions, um, Jerusalem artichokes, Um, And whole grains um, do do have a particular type of prebiotic fibre that the gut bugs love to ferment. So yeah, so whilst we talk about probiotics, we really need to bring forward the prebiotics because it's those two that work together that's going to bring that diversity in the gut colony and it's going to allow those gut bugs to survive and thrive. So the two work together and, and what we call symbiotics as well.
0: So maybe it's about uh, dietitians and nutritionists talking about those foods that are high in certain prebiotics that we, we tend to know a little bit more about at this point, but then of, obviously your overall message of eat a um, variety of plant foods and I've I heard a really great message from Dr Megan Rossi where it was aimed for 30 different plants um, a week yeah which is yeah exactly message.
1: yeah yeah, yeah. And, and like and even even um, simpler messages I mean No, eating the rainbow of course so you might have different 30 like uh, different types of foods but just going for color as much as possible because you're going to get the other benefits of the nutrients and the bioactive chemicals too
0: And then um, obviously really interesting as well, Kathleen, to talk about um, more specifically whole grains. We just had Whole Grain Week in Australia not too long ago, so I'm keen Mm. to hear um, your simple and impactful ways to help patients and clients increase whole grain intake.
1: Sure. I think um I think campaigns like these do a great job in raising awareness and the importance of fiber rich foods in our diet. So as I as I mentioned earlier compared to refined grains, whole grains can well do retain more nutrition like minerals and vitamins and of course dietary fiber and other phytonutrients. So by including more of these whole grains in your diet, you'll be getting a much more vital nutrition, and there's strong evidence that shows that regular consumption of these grains, specifically whole grains, play an important role in disease protection. So for example, eating three serves of whole grains a day is linked to 20 to 30% reduction in the total risk of mortality. You've got cardiovascular disease, type two diabetes, stroke, and even some cancers. But you compare this evidence, and that's observed for even and five to six serves of fruits and vegetables, so it's pretty impressive. So just by including three to serves, three three serves of whole grains a day um, has has a much larger role, I guess, in our d- disease protection than fruit and vegetables. So that I think that's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, and uh, yeah, and do you think there's some confusion around refined versus whole grains, and, and do we need to be doing some more education about how to choose whole grains? maybe i think i think it's important to understand that grain
1: foods in general whether whole or refined do make a valuable contribution to our overall nutrient intake because they do contain some of the key nutrients like fiber of course and but even iron magnesium and b group vitamins um, however, I do think it's important to get the more positive message out there about what grains we should be including more of in our diet, and that is by encouraging people to make those simple switches. So simple switches to more whole grain varieties where possible. And and sure, refined grains are lower in vitamins and minerals and fibre overall compared to whole grains, but we do need to appreciate that refined grain-based foods, so for example, like white bread or pita bread, for example, white rice, even corn tortillas and white pastas and couscous can be important elements in traditional cuisine. So it's okay to enjoy these occasionally. You just want to avoid as much as possible where you're including refined white flour, which has got the added sugars and fats and additives like cakes and biscuits and muffins or pastries, because that's when you're entering discretionary foods territory. And we all know that that's the majority, where the majority of the population need to cut down. So I think when we're we're talking to clients and, and, and people, we just want to, you know, just be as positive as possible and saying it's not about what you can't eat. It's about including more whole foods wherever possible. And, you know, refined grains are okay, like I mentioned before, but like we we often recommend for fiber to have 30 grams of fiber per day. Um, But the whole grain uh, recommended daily intake is 48 grams of whole Mm. grains a day. And I think that's where the message can get a little bit confusing for people. So I like to simplify this even further. And as I mentioned before, just aiming for three serves at a minimum of whole grains per day. So beyond your two serves of fruit and five serves of vegetable each day, when it comes to grains, you're aiming for a minimum of three. And when you really look at what a serve is of whole grains, it's really not that much. So a serve, for example, of um, cooked rolled oats is one third of a cup. One slice of whole grain bread is considered a serve you know, quarter of a cup of cooked grains like brown rice or barley and four whole grain crackers. So achieving that whole grain intake is much easier than you think. It's it's not really that much. So just switching things up, I say to people, um, top your cooked rolled oats with some fruit and probiotic rich yoghurt for your gut health and then you, for lunch you're looking at um, one to two slices of toasted spelt or make the switch to multigrain bread um, or maybe just adding some um, barley or quinoa to your soups or salad and that lunch you know, you might switch to brown rice or, um, you know, again, just having some barley in there or, you know, maybe switch to whole grain pasta when your favourite pasta dishes and snacking on things like popcorn. People don't realise <laughs> Um, corn is a a whole grain. So, I mean, you can enjoy that as an easy snack or some highly refined crackers, swap those for whole grain crackers with hummus or nut butter. So there are some really simple switches people can make. And when you're looking at the number of serves, three serves is really not that hard to achieve.
0: Yeah. I love those practical examples, Kathleen. Um, so finally, Kathleen, if you had to choose just two behaviours that you think are most impactful for well-being, what would they be? Oh, that's a hard one. I think um I I generally
1: like to look at the um well, maybe not two, maybe four. Um, I like to look at the four pillars of health. I think just for an overarching, holistic, you know, as I mentioned, you know, looking after your mental and your physical well being. Um I have to nail it down to sleep, headspace, nutrition and exercise. So if you're kind of nurturing those four pillars, um, you know, you, you, you're doing well for overall well-being. But if I had to really look at behaviours, so to speak, um, it's looking at daily habits that you're doing. And I think, as I've mentioned, you know, throughout this this, this talk is those simple switches. Look for the simple switches that you can make on a daily basis, and for you know, for, for many clients, like thinking of the simple switches, something that's practical and achievable, Not, nothing far-fetched, and just making an over overall. Um, to your diet just looking at the simple switches what simple switches can you make to your breakfast can you walk 10 more minutes a day can you like you know, try to get to bed um a little bit earlier and like can try to get consistent sleep pattern um, what are you doing for your headspace today so just kind of like really simple behavioral changes I'm always advocating to my clients and possible. if you're
0: doing 10% better than yesterday, that's an achievement, right? That's a huge
1: achie- it's a huge achievement. I think people got to pat themselves on the back for just something. And then just those continuous, those continuous changes over time do develop into habit changes. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not too sure of the 21-day um, fact of, you know, it takes 21 days. I'm, I'm not too sure if that's really proven. But I just think just daily, daily little changes just really do um, add up to those long-haul long haul and um achievements in the end
0: thanks kathleen i think there'll be a lot of nutrition professionals that agree with you on that one so absolutely Thanks, um, thanks so much for being on the show, Kathleen. It's been really special to talk to you and hear about your impactful ways for boosting fibre intake and then, of course, overall health as well. Um, obviously, appreciating both your nutrition and exercise physiology background. Um, I've got a gut feeling our listeners are really going to enjoy this episode. Pardon the pun. <laughs> <laughs> pun intended.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure.
0: And a massive thank you as well to Uncle Toby's Oats for supporting this episode. Thanks, Kate. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Kathleen. Thanks for listening, wherever in the world you're tuning in from. If you did enjoy this podcast episode, we would really appreciate if you could leave a review for us. Leaving a review actually means the podcast gets to more dietitians and it can only elevate our profession if we work together so please hit that review button, tell us and other people what you thought about this episode. Another way to share your learnings from this episode and keep the conversation going is to take a screenshot of your phone screen, add your message and share it on social media. Don't forget to tag us at Dietitian Connection so we can share it with our following of over 30,000. Tell us what you learned and what future topics you'd like us to cover. If you'd like to access the show notes, they are available at dietitianconnection.com forward slash podcasts. Dietitian Connection is a global community and we offer free professional development, job opportunities, resources, and connections. We're committed to bringing dietitians together so we can create more impact and elevate our profession. And you can easily become a Dietitian Connection member for free by signing up at dietitianconnection.com dot com